Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 podcast. I want to thank you all for continuing along with this journey. It's been tremendous. The podcast has seen incredible growth. I just took a look and and saw that we are now in 39 countries and we've been downloaded uh, all around the world and and just continue to grow. And um, all that is thanks to you for sharing the word, sharing the messaging, um, and really sharing the essence of what this podcast is all about. You know, helping people not only channel the mindset to overcome obstacles, but to really kind of hone in on those pit to peak moments and to take the lessons that we've learned from the various guests that we've had on board. Today's guest um, is a guest that I now call a a friend of mine and and someone who I'm really honored to have come across. Um, I met him at a a social event a couple of weeks ago. um, And, you know, (laughs) I think we started talking and and we didn't leave each other's side for the rest of the night. In fact, we ended up going out to dinner afterwards uh, with my wife and, and my girlfriend. So without further ado, let me dive right in. Today, I have Jonathan Mark. Jonathan is not your typical 28-year-old snowboarder, surfer, college lacrosse coach uh, with his tie-dye hoodies on. Um, Underneath his millennial gear, his secret gift of connecting to the lies that have passed and the spirits of the unknown. Jonathan always knew he was built different, but it wasn't until he was 20 when that calling was confirmed by a fellow psychic medium where he has since been perfecting that craft. Jonathan has taken that craft and, and now he uses the gift to provide closure to families affected by tragedy helps out law enforcement with major cold cases, and he reads some of the world's top celebrities and CEOs. Jonathan, thanks for coming on board today. Thank you for having me. And so true, we did not leave each other's side the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> it's so no. funny. We, my wife and I went home like that night, and we were like, you guys are just incredible humans. I mean, you were so kind, so nice. And, and beyond that, you know... I just gave your bio and I'm sure people listening are, are pretty tuned in, you know, when they hear what it is that you do. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that really stood out about you was um, your humility and, and just the fact that um, given the fact that you do something that's so different than, than the norm, mm. you really were the most normal person in the room that night. <laughs> Thank you. I know. I know. Speaking about all that stuff going on, I was like, where am I right now? <laughs> like, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So funny. Uh, but thanks for coming on the show, man. It really is well, an honor that you here. And um, you know, I, I want to dive in a little bit. And, sure. and one of the things that um, I want to do to set the stage here is kind of yep. give a little bit of background with regards to. Um, I know when we we spoke, you told me you grew up on Long Island. Yep. You were an unsuspecting um, lacrosse player out of Northport, right? East Northport, uh, yeah, yeah. East Northport, yeah, right. Um, yep. And you know, I grew up a town over, so I know everything about um, yeah. where you grew up. And and I know that, um, you know, there's definitely a certain expectation perhaps around, um, you know, athletes growing up in that area and, and you know, perhaps what, where they're going to end up and, and what they're going to end up doing with their lives. And clearly you took a route um, that's a little bit distinguished and, and on its own. So let's talk a little bit about childhood and, and, and we'll go from sure. there. Sure. Yeah. So my childhood was really normal. Honestly, it was pretty I, I would say like the typical Long Island childhood, as you probably know, like, you know, summers at the beach, you know, just hang out with the family and the friends and stuff. But, you know, I had this gift. I didn't really know what it was per se. And, you know, I was seeing and hearing things that not everyone was and, you know, trying to grow up as normal as possible. Like when you're around certain groups of people, you know, it just kind of played a huge factor of me holding it in and not really sharing it for my pretty much my entire like high school, even into college a little bit. So my childhood, you know, was amazing, but also confusing at the same time. I didn't really understand what was going on. Like that was like the biggest thing for me. I had no idea truly if I 
schizophrenic, if I was there, like, I didn't know what was real, what wasn't real. Like there was just so much going on, but you are right about the expectation because it's like when you start to play a sport and then you're getting looked at for colleges and stuff, you know, it kind of consumes you and becomes your life a little bit. Cause you start playing like club league in the summer and then you do fall ball then winter and then the actual spring. And then it kind of just goes and repeats like nonstop where it's like a system. So it was as I would say normal as possible with a weird twist to it, I guess, as much as I can probably say. <laughs> yeah, no, that, uh, that, you know, that's well said. Let, let's talk about, um, I guess, kind of the struggle that you had yeah. um, reconciling that, right? Yeah. Like, how big of a burden was it? And when did it really kind of like get to maybe um, its most dramatic point, I guess, in your childhood? Or did you not mm -hmm. have that point in your childhood where like, you know, you were maybe up against a wall with regards to unleashing? Because you got to figure you're entering your teenage years and yeah. they're trying to figure out who they are. They're trying to, you know, really kind of seep into their identity. And, right. and it seems like you kind of knew you had something, mm -hmm. but, you know, you were unsure if, where, and how to talk about it. A hundred percent. So basically my childhood, like I was saying, like I really tried to suppress it as much as I possibly could when it came to it. So when I hit, I guess, the pivotal point of that was when I was going off to college to play lacrosse and stuff. And I was like, it was like two days before we were leaving to school. And um, I look, I'm sitting on the driveway with my mom because, you know, it's one of those moments where I'm leaving home for like good, like not for good, but you know, like, you know, you're taking that next step in your life. And I turned to my mom and I'm like, is there schizophrenia? Like, is there any type of mental illness in our family? And she's like, no, why? And I explained to her that, you know, when I was younger, I had these like, holy crap moments with my family saying things that like, you know, no one shared with anyone. So like people are like, how did this six-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old like know and explain this? And then I told her, which was interesting is like, as I got older, the funnel of that got wider. So I was getting more for like, I guess more specifics, I guess. And it was becoming a little bit more like clear. So she, you know, has been going to mediums, I guess, because she lost her sister very tragically. She didn't believe in it. Someone pushed her to go. And when she saw someone, it was like, wow, like she, she gave a fake name. She did the typical thing that everyone does. And so she goes to this medium and this medium was like, you know, he could have this gift or he could be crazy. I literally have no idea. She was, I can't just like tell you, I, I need to like see him and blah, blah, blah. So my mom tells me that I'm away in college having fun. I'm like, oh my God, this kooky lady saying something with the nails and the hair and what the heck, like, you know? So then I come home for, for winter break and she brings me to this person and I walk in and she goes, holy crap. I've never seen someone like this open, talented, wh wh whatever you want to call it, right? And she goes, do you want to learn? So my first instinct was like, no. I was like, no way do I want to learn this. No way. So I leave and I'm like, as I'm pulling away, I'm like, shit, you know, like if I could do this and help people in a different way, I don't even know really what it is. Why am I the one to say no? I'm like, you know, I'm like, why am I the one to say no? So I call her back like a week later because I needed to process like some of the things she said. And um, I went back, she was reading the public for almost a decade. And within like six months, I caught up to her like skill level with it. So she was kind of like, do your thing, like read people on your own. And then I started, you know, reading like my mom would, my mom was such a huge part in this because she would bring um, people I never met. So like friends of friends from work that I never met her coworkers, family, people I've like literally have never met because she wanted to see one, is this legitimate? And two, like, is this, is there something there where we can, you know, just see what it is, you know? So then eventually it became word of mouth. I never had social media before that. Like I really didn't do any of that until I started going out to Los Angeles for stuff. And it was word of mouth and I was getting like people and people and then law enforcement starts coming and then boom, boom, boom. And it started becoming like, that became like a pivotal moment when like I started reading like I didn't know who this person was until after. So don't people and everyone don't like judge me, but I didn't know who Scott Disick was. I had no idea who the heck this guy was. Um, 
I never watched that show, never even thought about caring to watch that show, to be honest. Like, yeah. it's just not something I would watch. And so someone came and I read this person and they pulled up their phone and they said, this guy wants to talk to you. He had a black screen on. It was a black screen. So it was like, I, I guess the camera was covered. I started doing it, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden the thing moves and it's this guy and it's like high pitched, like voice speaking so fast and like, you know, all this stuff. And he said, my name is Scott. And we were talking and then I, I go to find out like, you know, I told some people I'm friends. I'm like, yeah, this guy said he's like really famous. This guy's Scott Disick. I'm like, who the heck is this dude? And they sent me like stuff. I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, I didn't realize, like to me, I didn't know. So then it became a little bit more like, wow, like there is, you know, interest, I guess, from like different parts of like different communities by like, you have like the celebrity people, then you have the law enforcement, you have the norm. Like when I say normal people, I mean the day-to-day people that don't really care about that celebrity lifestyle and stuff. So it became really interesting, honestly, like that's kind of like the pivotal moments. It was just like really like, um, it was just like one after another, after another. And it was, uh, and it wasn't planned. That's like the thing, like the thing, like I think people don't understand is that my goal wasn't to seek out to do what I'm doing right now. Like that wasn't it. I had other plans in mind, you know, but that's kind of where I ended up. And it's a really, really interesting thing. That's crazy. Um, two things kind of popped in my mind as you were sharing yeah. this. Um, the first question was, you know, you, you mentioned when you walked into the medium with your mom and yep. at the time, you know, it sounded like you weren't sure if you yourself believed in this. Yep. Number one. Yep. Uh, and then when she asked you, like, if you want, if, she, if you wanted her to teach you. Yeah. Can yeah. Right. More. Is this something that sure. you can, can you teach this? Like, okay, if, that's a yeah. great. That's honestly such a great question. <laughs> so the answer to that is yes and no. And the reason why I say that is because I use this reference all the time to people when like people kind of ask stuff like personally, like like a personal question. The answer is everyone can sing, but not everyone can sing like Frank Sinatra. Yeah. So it's like we can all do it to a certain extent, like whether it's medium, psychic, clairvoyant, whatever it is. There's like a certain thing that we can hit to a point and then you know, kind of like hang out there. Right. Like it's one of those things, like even with singers, like you, it, it takes time and time to even whatever. So with, with her teaching me, it was more so her kind of helping me interpret what I was seeing. Cause I didn't really understand what I was seeing. So like, for example, if they threw an anchor out, right. I'm using this as an example. They threw like an anchor out. This is in the very beginning when I'm, it's like coming in like Pictionary, like symbols here and there. I didn't really understand what it was. So someone threw an anchor at me. It's like, okay, it's either someone who's in the Navy or worked on water. It's not like we all, there's many people that love the ocean, pools, lakes, whatever. It's something that's significant to the person. So it's like Navy, someone who worked on the water as like a fisherman for like a, by trade and stuff. So she was kind of helping me decipher like what I was seeing to make it an actual reading, but it did, it never started off where I guess, you know, Yes, it came. They were teaching me. So I was learning their language. And as I was picking it up, like what they were trying to show me, it became more and more advanced. Yeah. So I guess you can. So like I said, it's like a yes and no things like you kind of can. But there's a certain like threshold that pe- like people hit depending on what they're leaning to, because I'm sure you hear as I do, too, like a lot of people say they're empaths or they're clairvoyant or this and they and everyone has their thing. So it's like, how far can you push that thing? Like, that's what I try to explain to like certain people when they ask me that, like personally, honestly, that's the first time I actually like went into detail about it. Is there any element to this gift that scares you? Like, are you scared of having this power, if you will, or just kind of this gift? So for people that that would say no, that would be a lie because the because the truth is, yes, it is quite frightening, even though you do it every day and it becomes accustomed to your life, it still becomes pretty frightening. But what it what's frightening about it, I guess, from my perspective, and it's frightening and peaceful. There is something else there, and that's the peaceful side. The frightening part is you're seeing very, very intimate personal things about like, you know, that happened to someone through someone that's coming through that affected the both of them. That like there was a cause and the effect right here. So it's kind of like that's what scares me mostly is that like 
they share such intimate things that people really want to like not think about, I guess. Like they, they dealt with it and, and, and yes, I know it's validation. So that's why people want it. But like the scary part is like the reaction that you get from people when you say those things, it's just like, you have to be very careful with how you phrase it and stuff. So, you know, since I've known you and it's only been a couple of weeks, I, I, I love the way that you kind of, walk around with this knowing that you have this gift but you're not necessarily like you're not shoving it in anyone's face that's for sure yeah um and um you also strike me as someone who's very respectful of the naysayer or someone who maybe you know just perhaps doesn't believe in this Um, and that's something that i think is really kind of cool about how you carry yourself uh, despite Thank the fact you. that this is such a huge part of your life, it's right. kind of like you know you have something, and um, you're here to help. Uh, but you also are very conscious of the fact that either people don't want help, or either people just don't want to believe this, and 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 right. that's okay with you too. Right. Um, and and I think that's um, you know just something really commendable about the way that you're doing it because of the fact that I know you mentioned Scott, but. Scott is yeah. one of many high-profile uh, individuals who have come um, across your desk. Uh, yeah. And um, I, I guess, you know, just to give the audience some background here, um, how did it get to a point where, you know, it, it became something that celebrities kind of are like, we, we need to speak to him? Yeah. So basically, I... Um hated this girl okay. and uh, uh every, every good story starts like that <laughs> yeah i know right i was like damn i don't know my grandma's gonna be pissed about this but she knows the story like you know yeah. but i dated this girl and her brother this was years ago where i'm i'm sure you remember this where like you know instagram those influencers were such like a big big thing even more, like it, it was new but it was big and yeah. like he created or i don't know if he created or was a part of this um Apper, I, I don't even know really, but it, essentially it was a brand's creator, the middleman sets both people up, right? Like now that's way more mainstream today to have that, but back then it was so new. So he came for a reading because I was dating her and she was like, you need to like meet him first and foremost, but like this is what he does. He was a typical, like, yo, this is BS, whatever. And my always my reaction is like, that's cool. Just sit down with me for 10, 15 minutes and then you know, then make your decision before you say anything. Yeah. Needless to say, this dude was holding my pillow crying because we did it at my parents' house. He was like squeezing it. And then he's like, I need to bring you out to LA because that's where he lived and that's where he did all the stuff. And he's like, there's no like medium out there like you. He's like, you're tattooed, you're a normal dude. Like I could like, he's like, you're like, he was just trying to explain to me like there's a stereotype and you don't fit that stereotype as a medium. Just like there's stereotypes for everything. Like any field you go into, there's typical like people have the Wall Street stereotype or they have the law enforcement stereotype. But he was just talking about the stereotype that's associated with what I do. So I go and then he started connecting. Like I, I would read, one person and then like one celebrity person and then it went from one to a a lot and then it became to net network executives to agency executives to then everyone trying to kind of like connect me with all these different people but then i think more so now these celebrities and all these people like will reach out to me like that's got like they'll do direct reach out because at that time i still didn't have social media So it was like, I wanted to stay off the grid as much as I can, just because I knew the moment I stepped, I would put my toe in the water with social media. It was kind of all over. Like, you know, it was like, everyone can find something, can find me, can find my family. It's like, that was scary for me. Got it. And, and just again, to give the audience a background here, I know you told me before, and this is going to be a little bit of a humble brag, but how how big is the wait list now? Um, It's about three years and about now it's about a 15,000 person wait, wait list right now. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just to give the listeners a little bit of insight with regards to, um, you know, where this has gone uh, yeah. from, from when you first started. Yep. Um, you know, and then another thing that kind of comes to mind as we talk about that trajectory in LA and, and what happened yep. there is, you know, this no longer is a gift. It kind of now is a responsibility in the yeah. sense that, um, 
you know, a lot of people are heavily invested um, with regards to the outcome here. So maybe yeah. you can give a little bit of insight with regards to how you approach that responsibility and maybe giving also the audience a little bit of background with regards to the other people in your field. I know you've spoken to me about some of the bigger names in your field. Yeah. But again, I don't know how big the field is overall, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. It, you know, it, it, clearly you've won over the respect of a lot of high-profile names to get all these referrals. Yes. Um, and, and that must speak to how seriously you take this responsibility. Yeah. Uh, but it also kind of strikes me as something that someone could pretty easily abuse if, if not taken correctly. Can you just hundred percent all that? Sure. Yeah. So the responsibility aspect is such a big thing. So like from my perspective of the responsibility is you're dealing with people and their emotions and they're vulnerable when they see you. And the responsibility from my perspective is you have to like closure with validity. Like it can't just be a basic thing. So for me, I want to make sure when I, when I go in, I take it as like, to be honest, like every reading before reading, I get anxiety, I get like nauseous, I get nervous. And you would think after years and years and years of doing this, it's like a basketball player. You go into the game and you're like, all right, after seven years, I got this is routine for me. I'm just going to go in, do my warm up and, you know, get it going. But for me, it's like, I think now because there's such a long wait, people have this expectation. I want to live past that ex- expectation. I want to do more for them because they waited so long and that they need it too. And it's very easy to abuse because you can manipulate people. You can like do things based on people's vulnerability and their emotions, which is why I try to like never go, like I would never go down that route. Like my first and foremost thing is just closure with validity. And if they need any help that's past that, then maybe professional, they go to like a therapist or a professional because that's not what I do, but I would never want to abuse it. But it is very easy to abuse it because when you get to a level like the other ones out there, like people know the Long Island one, the Hollywood one, all of them, it becomes more, and not saying that they don't do it for the right reasons. I think it gets kind of the right reasons aspect of it sometimes it's hard when you're in the spotlight doing it in this profession because there's not many that are legitimate, right? There's people that can do things and, you know, manipulate people and whatever. So I think sometimes when you get to a certain point and you've been on TV and you've done your thing and it's like, it becomes more of a, I, I don't know what's 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 the, the the right word. It's like you go onto a show and it becomes like an act, right? Not not like scripted, but it's like you have to hold this persona, you have to be this type of person, you have to be like that. Where it's like just be, you know, I try to stay true to who I am with like everything that I do, but it's very easy to get lost in the sauce. I guess you can say, I guess in any field, really, but when yeah. when it comes to this, it's just you're dealing with people's emotions and vulnerability. Absolutely. Hey all. It's me, Bishoy. As a marathon runner and endurance athlete, I've come to understand the importance of properly fueling your body for preparation and recovery. Every day, you get a shot at success. How you start your day typically paints a picture of what the rest of the day will look like. Start your day with a super convenient, healthy, and delicious nutritional win. Meal one by Creatures of Habit. Overnight oatmeal packed with 30 grams of plant-based protein, chia, flax, and pumpkin seeds. Vitamin D3, omega-3s, a probiotic, and digestive enzymes made in under one minute. Stop wasting time or worrying about what to eat as your first meal of the day. Start with meal one. Visit creaturesofhabit.com, creatures spelled with a K, and use code MILE40 for 15% off a one-time purchase or the first subscription order payment. Wow, there's so many directions I want to go in, but <laughs> time here. So let me yeah, no. keep us moving here on this. So with regards to law enforcement, um, yep. I think you had some experience in law enforcement. And yep. um, now, um, you know, you're using the gift to help out with cases that come your way. Yeah. Uh, again, let's kind of take this to an elementary level. Pretend <laughs> yeah. so into this. Sure. I have no idea where you would come in and yeah, when sure. you come in yeah. and how you might be helpful. Sure. Um, and then if you're comfortable sharing, uh, any cases that are, you know, complete, you know, just to kind of give an idea, that'd be awesome. Sure. So from like, uh, an elementary, I guess, point of like point it's 
they're, they have an unsolved case, whatever people want to call it, cold case, unsolved, whatever. And they're, so they, they hit a time frame where it's kind of, if you don't get something new or any type of lead or any type of anything, because there's so many, they have to kind of focus their attention more so on the next one. So there's a certain time. So when they're about to hit that certain time, I get reached out to, and they're like, can you do, like, they won't tell me anything about the case. So like, cause they want it to be like as real as it could possibly be without telling me who I'm reading, what the case is and when they're going to do it. I get it literally a text message or a call 30 minutes before. And they say, do you have time for 25 minutes? That's what I get. They change the name. They black, like, you know, the zoom stuff out. They try to make it as separate as possible. So basically I don't come in to solve cases. And I think that's where people get, you know, if I do solve it, fantastic. But the point is to help them turn the corner to keep this case open. It's to keep the case open because you have to understand there's a lot of families that have these unsolved cases from all over the world. And there, unfortunately, there's a lot of murders, a lot of missing people that go on every single day. So when they hit that time, they kind of close it, put it in the, you know, put it in the file and then they open the new one up and then they focus on that. You always have one detective that is kind of the lead on the case too. So basically there's some cases that I've worked on. One I can talk about. Um, there was a, an unsolved case from 1992. So that's when I was born and, um, someone reached out to me and they're like, the case is about to be closed. Um, I need your help. So they, you know, law enforcement and everyone calls me in and it wasn't from New York. It was from Maryland. So I get a call and it was a cult, a health and wellness cult that I was pulling in. And it turns out that I kept saying this person's name. Um, they're still in trial. So I'm going to try and like, keep it as vague as possible. But I kept saying this person's name. They kept saying, no, we questioned this person a hundred times. There's no way. And I kept seeing it. And I was like, listen, just revisit this. You revisit. It turns out that this person was there at the death and they admitted it. Oh, wow. So then now, since that case is essentially like, I don't, I know what they did. And then they found out who did it, but because there's a whole trial system, it doesn't happen. And I think people think that it happens overnight. I've learned it does not happen overnight. It takes months and months and months. Another case too is, um, there's a case that happened on Long Island. Oh no, it's in um, Howard Beach. Sorry, Howard Beach. And there's a case with Karina, and she was a jogger, and she went for a jog like she did every morning and got murdered. And they they're like, "Who the heck did this?" Like we have no idea. Turns out that one of the police people heard about me and sent someone to my house for just a, just a reading to see if it comes up and what comes up. It was her cousin, and they sent her to me. And I read her and I helped them because they thought it was a family member. They were convinced, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, what they typically do, they have like their lead. And I kept saying, no, it's this person. And I was saying the same name again. Yeah. It struck like more so curiosity for these people, more so than like, I'm going to listen to this kid. Like it was more of a curiosity aspect of it. They, they like, like investigated this person who lived the building behind who was obsessed with her that they found out mm -hmm. and he was the one who did it. Wow. And then that's when I started to get my name out there on the law enforcement side of things. And then they start bringing me like missing people court, like even like whistleblower cases for like big banks and stuff. And I helped them solve like whistleblower stuff, which is like not really my forte. They really needed it at that time. And I was like, I can try my best, you know, and I, I tried and it worked, but that's kind of how it started. But now I have over, I want to say around 1200 cases that are sent to me from law enforcement and PIs and families. And it's very overwhelming because people are like, how do you get through it? It's like, I try to go one by one by one because it's like, I can't pick and choose who's like needs my help more. They all need help. And if they're desperate enough and law enforcement is desperate enough to reach out to me, that's outside of New York. Cause I've proven myself with the New York, like government and all that stuff. And then they must really need it. So I'm trying to like go through and it's just like so much. And it's like a lot of my mental state as well. So it's like, it's, a, it's just a lot. You know, that, that kind of 
takes me exactly where I wanted to go with the sense that you're doing something that like 99.9% of the population can't relate to. And, and, um, you know, we all need our own, we all need our own therapy. Uh, And, um, I, I can't imagine that there are many people out there qualified to be able to have this conversation with you because, you know, you're seeing some really dark things. Um, and, um, from, from what I gathered from you, yeah, you're able to compartmentalize like what you do, um, as your job and kind of turn it off when you need to turn it off. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that if it continues to happen day in, day out, and you're seeing all these things, that it won't take a toll on you eventually. 100% Uh, does. Yeah. And so, you know, the premise of this show is to really talk about those pit to peak moments in life. I'm not saying that you bottomed out here, but I have a feeling that you're continually being worn down perhaps by these various cases that come your way. Um, and maybe again, you're not at at your pit quote unquote, but you might be at a point where you're just trying to figure out like, okay, but where, when do I get my therapy? Right. Like when do I, and and where is that going to come from? And is that ever going to come? Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So I I'm, I'm able to like separate kind of, I will say. I've learned to kind of separate because it does take a major toll on me. There are times and, you know, to be quite honest, you know, there are times where I'm ready to to stop doing this because it's way too much darkness. There is. And I feel like people expect a lot from me if I don't perform the way they want me to perform, but it's not really, it's, it's not that it's just a constant talk about death and the constant talk about like, sometimes like, the murders and like this dark stuff like you're talking about about like these murders these rapists the whatever that comes through and there and i've never honestly have spoken about this but there are times where i'm like you know what i'm going to throw in the towel but then you know i get a message from someone that i helped a year ago about a case or a reading and then it makes me like all right this is why i'm doing this like there's people that reached out like uh, to be and i it's hard for me to say because it, it's like such an emotional thing, but it's like, you know, there I've have thrown in the towel just be, and it's not because things weren't going fantastic. Like who knows where, at what direction it was going in, but it was because of this constant talk about death and this constant, like, you know, talking about darkness sometimes when it's like murders and stuff. And then it's like, when am I going to get my help? And when am I going to be able to just walk around and not feel this constant weight on my chest and shoulders with like the things I've spoken about and like what I need to do next and everything. So then I kind of reschedule my clients for like the following week. And I'm like, I need a moment. Like, I don't know what I need to do, but I need a moment. But then it's always something where like, I get a message from someone They're like, I spoke to you a year ago after I spoke to you and you said these, like the like really specific things about, X, Y, and Z, what, what, whatever case, or just reading, they're like, I didn't take my own life. They're like, I was on the verge of taking my own life. And then I kind of get like, all right, this is why I'm here to help people. If I have to suffer, I'm going to suffer. So, wow. Yeah. You mentioned like the, the, in, in the middle of what you were saying, like, why doesn't he try harder? Like as an example. Yeah. Is that applicable? Like, is is this like a like a try hard? It's not really right. It's not. No, because, no. You know, no. I don't want to go into detail about like how much you charge unless you feel comfortable doing that. I know it's on your website, but you mentioned to me when we were talking in passing when we had dinner that night. Yep. And, and this isn't one of those things where like like if someone was like telling me try harder, like in a corporate arena, I'd be like, yeah, you're not you're not paying me enough to try that much. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is not really applicable here. This isn't one of those no. things where perhaps like if you doubled or tripled your rate, like yeah, no, you know, like you, nothing like it's that. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. It's it's typically honestly when the law enforcement or people are their backs are against yeah. the corner, and I help them out like a little bit. 
Yeah. Like where I was able to give them something, they're like, I need you to do more. I need you to do more. And they keep saying, do more, do more. And they keep, and then that becomes like so overwhelming with things. And then also too, like, which is kind of like crazy is when you start reading these like celebrity people, yeah. they start reaching out to you or cause they feel like we're like super close. Yeah but it seems pretty like one-sided where it's like, they only reach out to me when like they need me to do my gift. Like, so it, that becomes like also very stressful as well too. So now I'm starting to put boundaries up because I didn't have those at first. I was like, I, I don't, you know, now I'm just like, listen, you have to wait a little bit. Like I, I can't do a hundred things for you right now. But yeah, no, it's not like, you know, in a corporate setting where you're like, try harder and you're like, you don't pay me enough. It's like, no, I, I'm giving you everything I got. I leave drenched in sweat. I have a migraine after I do it. You know, there was one instance recently where I pushed myself so hard where I went blind to my left eye oh, wow. and I had to go to the doctors to like, you know, the eye specialist. And they're like, literally nothing is wrong with you. And like they test my vision, they tested everything and I explained to them what I do. and. A lot of doctors and a lot of people have done research on people like myself. And I've I've been part of it too, like years ago, but they were saying this is very normal for like people like you that like hyper focus so intently when you do something where it affects the the part of your brain and your eye then you know this it becomes like a trickle effect they were trying to explain to me, which is like I'm not in the medical field. So I probably sound really stupid trying to explain no, no, it right no, no. now, but yeah, it's a little crazy. How has all this impacted your social life? Right? Like it's a good I question. That, uh, for some people, it was probably hard to digest. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure yeah. Your social circle has been refined over the years because of this. Yeah. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So basically I kept it quiet for a very long time. Like that's why I go by Jonathan Mark. I won't like, I, I didn't want people when it was word of mouth, they want people to know my last name. Yeah. So like my friends couldn't find out like, yeah. and you know, when certain friends found out in my social circle, I guess, you know, they kind of were like, what the heck this kid was out partying, playing lacrosse, like doing this. They're like, what the heck? But the weird thing is, and is that once I started get up going on these shows and doing these readings for celebrities, things have things changed they came back around trying to be be my friend now yep it was the weirdest thing it was like you know i didn't hear them for years and then when all of a sudden i'm doing all these big shows and talking to these big people it's like i never got more texts in my life like about people being like dude like it's been so long how are you want to grab a drink it's like dude like you completely stopped speaking to me like, so I've definitely now I'm, I'm very careful with who I let in my life with this because of the things that have happened to me with this, you know, being my profession, my gift and all that. Is there, um, a certain kind of person, like for instance, either someone you idolize or look up to, or someone you have a tremendous amount of respect for, or even mm-hmm. someone that you really love, whether it be a family member or like your girlfriend, for instance, yeah, yeah. Or, um, you you struggle to to like kind of go there with them or are you open to essentially anyone like is there is there a certain cutoff for you where it's like like you're some like like for instance you're my mother i I would never read you like is that something correct yeah so i try not to read family i mean like the the truth is with the family stuff you can't really read your family so much like you can to a certain extent but then it becomes like memory based right because then you hear stories and it becomes memory based but there is a cutoff like i had uh there's there's a story where um i was dating someone this is in the beginning when i'm like you know really learning and all this stuff and she you know she's one of those people that came back around actually we broke up because of it and then she came back around when she started seeing my name like and all this stuff but we were laying in bed like after watching a movie, just like about to go to sleep and her grandfather came through. And this is like when I really couldn't like control it. You know what I mean? And he kept showing the name. I'm going to use, I'm going to use Frank kept showing the name Frank to me over and over. And I turned to her and I go, who's Frank? Like your grandfather's here. And he keeps flashing that name for like, you know, like things like that. She turns white like a ghost. I'm thinking it's like someone who passed away. I'm not really sure because I'm still learning. Turns out that, the name that I said was her ex-boyfriend 
and she was with him and she admitted to me that she was with him the night before because i think she was so like weirded out by the fact that i kept saying his name and it and it was coming up constantly so obviously we broke up from that night because i was like that's that's awful but then i kind of learned like you know there is a cutoff like you shouldn't be and it's like i i try to be respectful i don't invade people's privacy so it's like let's not do that unless you really need it and then we'll talk about it or i'll send you to someone that i know that i respect like um and again again for the audience here is is this something that's one-sided meaning can you go into a room of strangers and read people without them kind of being engaged with you or do they need yeah. to be engaged? Yeah. So the, they don't yeah. have to be engaged at all. I mean, I, I mean, majority of the people that I read, um, yeah. they give me fake names, which is like completely okay. I, don't, I really yeah. could care less because I'm so far removed from the appointment setting up that it doesn't, I get sent a zoom link and yeah. then I click the zoom link, but um, yeah, just say, say yes or no. I mean, that's as much as like people should probably say, because if you're sitting there in silence and it's just like really awkward. So yeah. I'm just like, just say yes or no, like, you yeah. know, but yeah, you don't really need to be engaged, but you can obviously tell when people are more like, yeah, don't really want to go into that more than people that are like, you can see like that really want it. But yeah, no, I, I've learned over the time and years and stuff that don't go into a room, start reading people like, cause you know, it's kind of like you can't, you don't want to step on people's toes when it comes to privacy and very personal things. And you shouldn't expose it unless they're like really on board with it. That's why like you see like these mediums like Teresa, Tyler and all of them, they do like those arena readings, right? Those people are going because they want to be read. So if he points to someone and does it, they want to be read. But if you're going to like a restaurant, yeah. I always, I used to always lead, be like, Hey, my name is Jonathan. I'm a medium. Like, I see something like, is it okay if I say it to you? Because then it becomes like, then they're, they're like, you know what? Like that's respectful. They can say yes or no. At least you give them the option versus like people that like walk up and like, and you're just like, Whoa, like I didn't want my girlfriend to know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Or what are my partners? So yeah, I've learned to, I'm very careful with it. Now that you're like fully in- entrenched in this and this is what you do. Yeah. Is this, in line with what you would call your life's purpose now or is there anything else out there right now that you know aside from this that defines who you are as a person jonathan you know that's a great question this is my life's purpose i've come to realize that and to be honest at first i wasn't sure and i wasn't sure if this is like something i need i wanted to be my purpose but through helping people and through being able to help law enforcement and different things i know this is my my purpose, which is why I will always push myself no matter where I am, how I'm feeling, what I'm doing. And I think, you know, as far as like future goes with like the purpose, it's just to continue to change people's perspective about there being some something else. Like, and that's just my purpose is to show through experience validity, like things that you can't really explain with like law enforcement stuff. Like there is something there, your loved ones aren't far away. And just to give people that peace and comfort, that's really my purpose now because I want to help. Yeah, I, I think like as humans, a lot of times we forget that at our very essence, like we are spiritual beings. Like mm-hmm. that, that is that is what we are. Like the physical portion is of our lives is is the shortest. It's, it's so temporary. Yeah. Right. Uh, but you know, we we are essentially spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's something that um is forgotten a lot and and even you know i i came across a quote that kind of mentioned it the other day and it, it made me think of you but it's something that you just don't intuitively think all the time right. you're just so used to being alive as physical humans that we think that this this is it but right. what we don't realize is that you know we are spirits that are renting our bodies right now essentially uh, yeah no, I agree with you. And it, and like, even if people want to get factual with stuff, it's like you go back in time to the oldest creatures. They all talk about the afterlife, the spirituality side, how like, this is not it, how people think like communicate. And it's like, I never try to battle people. Like, that's not my thing. I will never try and battle people. So like, if people have their beliefs, that's fine. I'm not here to like do anything and like, like, I guess fight them on it. 
to some extent. Yeah. I'm just, you know, if they if they're open, they're open. But I will say a lot of very religious people now all over the world now come to readings to with like me or maybe whoever, but it goes to show that like there is curiosity. There's that curiosity part because I guess the factual side of things thousands of years ago that we can't even explain. Now people are trying to make it more logical, I guess, but like life is not so black or white. There's that gray area in between. Yeah. So like, that's why I always want to help people with that stuff. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I kind of want to get your take on um, where you find your own uh, inspiration. Uh, and, uh, maybe it was something that kind of was ingrained with you along the way as you grew up, or maybe it's new sources of inspiration that you look to now. So I looked at my family as like a huge, huge thing of inspiration to me because I see where my family came from, how they are now and how they kind of, um, you know, embraced this essentially with open arms, my media family, you know, I really, really, you know, it's it's one of those things, I guess, where, you know, everyone probably says family and I understand that. And that's and that's huge. It's just to see the progression of like what my family, my parents went through growing up to where they are now. You talk about you can talk about the religious. Side. I mean, my dad's side was so religious. And to see people being more open gives me, you know, a little bit of like the inspiration to keep going to know that like if this if these people can turn they're so religious other people can and i'm not here to press them with it but i've had like people in my life that would come kind of in and out that gave me different portions of inspiration i guess but like i think the overall is my mother my father my brother yeah yeah that's that's beautiful um thank you you know I, i think that the religious aspect of things it's it's interesting because like i grew up a christian and i I consider myself to be faithful but yeah you know one of the things that i i've learned is that you know at least in our faith we believe in in a life after life right yeah it's it's not yeah road uh and the one thing that i think all humans on this earth can uh agree upon is very few of us if any of us could actually speak to what happens like the moment the light goes out yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, I, I find it incredibly special um, that you have this gift and, and you Thank have this you. opportunity uh, to share this all. Thank um, you. With regards to kind of rounding this out. Yeah. Uh, are you uh, working on any projects right now or is there anything that you kind of want to share about the platform that, that you've oh. built um, just to kind of give uh, the audience a sense of uh, just your trajectory from here? Yeah, sure. So um, right now I am in, I guess, the process of a television show with um, an A-list person that's going to be a co-host of mine. Um, we're finalizing some things. I'm like, I'm not really allowed to say who it's with and where it's going, but there will be a show. And, you know, we're, we have our final thing on Wednesday and, you know, it's, I'm pretty excited, you know, like I've been through the ringer with this stuff and uh, it's to see someone very famous that is going to pair up and do this with me because she had a reading and, you know, all this. It's it's exciting and it's something that, you know, I get pitched a lot of television shows from all the platforms and the net, the networks that reach out to me. And this one by far is the one that I feel most passionate about. Um, I had another show that was going on and I, you know, based on the, you know, outside like stuff that's going on with like the writer strike and then the screen after guild people going on strike and all this stuff, I decided to pivot and turn to something that's more, I guess I can compare it to kind of like a Ted Lasso. If people know what that is. My wife and I are watching it right now. So yeah. It's, it's like fun. Yeah, it's like a feel-good show, right? Like, you feel yeah. good after you watch it. So that's kind of what um, we're doing. Instead of making it a very serious type of show, I made the, the decision with the person who I'm doing this with to pivot and make it a feel-good show. And like that's what I always want to do since I even went to LA and went to this. I always had this vision of the feel-good, you know, helping people out that really, that really need it, not, you know... Yeah 
I don't know. I just had this vision about always helping out families that were struggling, that lost people unexpectedly and tragically and trying to give them like a step forward in like whatever they're in. I'm not here to solve it. I'm not here to do that because I know there's other processes that need to happen. But if I can help you take another half a step or a step forward, that by far means the world to me, like by far means the world to me. So like, that's what I'm really excited about. So yes, long story short, there's a show coming soon. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think that one of the things that really stands out about all this is you've obviously come across thousands of people. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we already talked about your wait list, but it's abundantly yeah. clear that um, you get the most joy out of helping those people who need it most. Um, and um, despite the fact that you've worked with numerous high profile names and on high profile cases, yeah. you can. I can tell just in the way that you talk about the people that nobody knows that those cases really mean a tremendous amount to you. And, and, yep. and that's, that's very, very uh, prevalent um, in, in what you're sharing here. So I just want to say thanks, man. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, like it was yeah. such an honor and a privilege to have you come on here. Um, your story is incredibly unique. And, um, you know, I think it speaks to a multitude of people out there who are maybe going through uh, childhood, adolescence, even early college years, holding yep. on to something. Um, yeah. And if, even if it's something different, even if it's not the same exact thing that you, yeah. know, you held on to, you're an example of being able to own who you are um, and you know use it to make an impact in this world. So thank you. No, thank you, man. That was so nice. Thank you for having me. That this was. I'm so excited to do this. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.